200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello and thank you for clicking and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, Jim Dudley here. Hey, Jim. You know, we've talked about this a number of times in the past. I was reminded, however, relatively recently uh, while attending SHOT Show, the importance of multi-jurisdictional, multidisciplinary emergency response and coordinating those efforts before stuff happens. Sure. Left of bang, if you will. Um, you know, in not only are you going to have if, let's say, San Bruno. Remember the San Bruno explosion that happened a few years ago? In California. Gonna, yeah. In California, just south of San Francisco. You had PG&E. You had Public Works. You had all three fire, EMS, and police from a whole host of different agencies within the area. You had... It was what we all call a y'all come situation. Y'all come on, and then we got to sort it out. But the thing of it is, now that we don't have Urban Shield anymore, although that can be replicated elsewhere and and, and in many ways has been, that model of training for the um, all-hazards approach to a large catastrophe um, and dealing with making sure that the the last place you want to first exchange business cards is during a large-scale public emergency. So you have the opportunities, the channels to create relationships, to understand, um, in, in finger quotes, it's, I know it's a military term, rules of engagement. You know, what are the roles of each individual providing agency? And again, it's public works. It's the water department in some cases. It's the fire department. It's EMS. It's private EMS. It's all kinds of, it's hospitals, which are private and public. Right. Department of Public Health, parks, everybody plays a role. For me, it's like this giant spaghetti bowl of public servants coming together at a time when the public most needs service. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, that's what the NIMS is for, the National Incident Management Plan. Mm -hmm. And the ICS, the FEMA ICS, the Incident Command System, Everybody's on the same playbook. Everyone knows the jargon. We go to plain speak when it comes to command control and communications. Uh, it's it's essential that you know the your counterparts in all of those other agencies. And you may laugh when I say the parks, but parks can provide staging areas. They can provide shelter. They can provide water. They can provide people. So in a big city like San Francisco, everybody is an emergency um, disaster worker. Mm -hmm. Everyone's trained. Everyone gets an ID. Everyone knows one segment of the incident command system, whether they go into uh, plans or operations or logistics or admin and finance. Anybody can go and we can plug and play them into any one of those segments. Now, It's great that we do all that and we play like we practice and practice like we play. But we can't do it once a year or once every couple of years. We dust those old binders off. We put them back on the shelf. Nobody looks at them for a couple of years. Things change. Your counterparts change. People move on. The directories change. And then when they, you know, when it hits the fan, 
we're all scrambling, right? So you need people in charge uh, before the disaster happens. And, and part of that is putting together a playbook of scenarios most likely to happen or likely to happen or occur in your jurisdiction. So if you're in the South, uh, tsunami, hurricane, flash floods, uh, lightning storms, tornadoes, uh, even tornadoes, ice storms uh, here on the West Coast, uh, earthquakes, uh, floods, um, weather related, man-made or natural disasters. Uh, I remember when we trained up a lot, some of my best friends, I ended up marrying my counterpart in the Department of Public Health. My wife is a physician who is the epidemiology and disease control lead for the San Francisco Department of Public Health. And it was a real binding experience right after 9-11. We all got together and all the grants came through and we looked at all the possible scenarios that could play out. One of my best friends is the deputy fire chief that we went through these ordeals uh, together with. We, the federal, federal government finally did something right. They came out with this playbook of scenarios and they gave us all scripts and said, okay, this just happened. What do you do? Fire, what do you do? Public health, what do you do? Police, what do you do? And on and on and on. And so we learned what were our capabilities, what were our flaws, what were our training flaws, what were our equipment needs, uh, what could we do in preparation, in training, in response, in mitigation, and in recovery? And we did that for every one of these scenarios. And we did them for Seaburn, every Seaburn event that you could think of. Mm -hmm. Chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, and explosive. And I have to say, we put together a really good playbook to address all the likely scenarios. And of course, we don't put down like we like in a school emergency plan you don't put where the staging area is going to be so then the active shooter knows, knows where, where the be. staging area right. is going to be but you you leave some gaps but you do identify areas where you could land a helicopter where you could stage emergency vehicles where you could close off traffic dedicated to emergency vehicles uh, where you know unfortunately in a plane crash or mass casualty incident you're going to need a seamort you're going to need a a, a morgue where you can stage an area to take a lot of bodies that are, you know, once the crime scene's been figured out, you're going to have to move them to an area where they're, they're going to have to be away from the general public. And I mean, we looked at local golf courses, we looked at giant freezers, we looked at parking lots and, and on and on and on. So when it hits and when it happens, that's not the time to think of it just like it's not the time to meet who your counterpart is. So establish those relationships, run through some of these things, whether it's a real-time situation or a tabletop exercise, get familiar with it, know what the other is going to do. You know, I want to add to one of the things that you had mentioned. You you'd said, you know, don't don't discount or don't, don't laugh, I think was your word, at, at using the Parks Department. Um, there's another group of people, um, I happen to be one of them, who are called emergent volunteers. Um, I happen to be certified in NERT, which is the Neighborhood Emergency Response Team. Me too. CERT is the kind of more national model. Yep. Um, Lieutenant Artiseros here in San Francisco runs the program. Um, 
you know, and so every couple of years I got to go get recertified. And, you know, I, I, you, everyone who's listening knows I was never a sworn officer, but I've taken all kinds of training and I have things that I can do and I can provide. Right. So you also have to understand that you're going to get people to show up at your whatever scene it is, whether they were there to begin with. Let's take Las Vegas, for example. There was a fella at that particular awful, awful, hideous, horrible scene who literally stole a pickup truck and started shuttling people to the hospital. Right, right. And, you know, I think, I think he had military background, if memory serves, or some sort, of a, some sort of a background that gave him at least a little bit of an idea of how to handle himself in an awful situation. But you have emergent volunteers. You have the Parks Department who want to provide help. You have, um, again, you know, maybe it's your electric provider, your gas provider. Um, all of these people who, are, who have a role in making sure that whatever happened is fixed in some way. Sure. Let's go to the Boston Marathon. You know, the same thing happened in the Boston Marathon. You had people applying tourniquets made from their own pants. You know, that people would literally strip off their pants yep. to make a tourniquet and help people get through that. You know, we, I, we lost, I believe, three or four individuals, fatals in that. There were many, many other people who were mortally wounded, saved by someone who just said, I'm going to step in and do something here. Sure. So you have to have the capability as an organization. And I'm not talking just about law enforcement. I'm talking about all organizations here in this tree to improvise, to adapt, and to overcome, right? Sure. No, and, and having a volunteer group already established is awesome. You may have to vet some people right away. You may have to uh, enlist some people who could drive a tractor or a bus or a bulldozer to help. During the um, Loma Prieta earthquake, we had neighbors in shorts and t-shirts pulling hose from the fire trucks yeah. um, for blocks. Um, yeah, down any, in the marina. Yeah, and yeah. any uh, able-bodied man or woman could help carry a litter with somebody who's injured, who's non-ambulatory. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So you need somebody in those staging areas who could identify resources and give them jobs to do. So you're right. It's not just the Parks Department or, or all those other agencies, but they're volunteer groups and people standing around. Give them something to do. Right. And, and, and there's a lot of, there's, I mean, there's organized groups like the American Red Cross who show up to yep. all manner of disaster, whether it's just a, a, a small house fire and it's people who need just shelter for a couple of days yep. or it's a really large catastrophe and people who need shelter for many, many, many weeks or yep. months. Yep. So you have all of these different pieces and parts. Um, and I think that it's, it's important to revisit. And, and the reason that I, I bring this whole topic up is that, just last couple of weeks ago, I guess, I was at SHOT Show in Las Vegas, and I saw something that really floored me. It was a Lenco Bearcat called the Firecat, something I think called the X3 Firecat. It had a 300-pound, 300-gallon uh, tank of water in its bed and a water cannon in the top. And they were talking, Lenco were talking about like having firefighters and EMTs operating the water cannon while someone was up in the turret dealing with whatever firefight that might happen that while they were dealing with the other firefight because yeah. there were two different things happening at the same time yeah and force protection exactly so you have i think a real evolution towards you know again it's a shame that that urban shield isn't now what it used to be because it really was the model in my opinion for how all of these different disparate agencies varying jurisdictions come together and work together at the worst possible time yeah i mean you mentioned that 
the bear cat or fire cat and I was sort of winced when you did the first time and I thought we could really use it in some situations clearly you can't cannot use it in a uh, demonstration oh, no, rally. Not for, not for crowd control. Not, not for no, no, crowd no, 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 control. No. It's for actually fighting fires. Yes. And Let's be clear and about so, that. Uh, San Francisco, we won a couple of baseball championships uh, between Super Bowls and NBA championships. Yep. Yeah, I say that with a grin. And um, not not so much lately, but this Sunday. This um, coming Sunday. And uh, the 20 blocks that were on fire after the 2012 Giants uh, World Series uh, happened on uh, garbage night. Yep. All the plastic down in the mission, right? P- piled up in the middle of the street on Mission Street. Uh, anything that would burn, newspaper, books, couches, futons, chairs, all set. Twenty blocks of flame. It was like Beirut. Called for fire support. Fire department said we're not going in. But it was unsafe. You, you can give us force protection, but we're not going in. There, you guys are getting rocks and bottles. We're not going in. So literally block by block, we had to clear these intersections, get people out, and the fire department inched up behind us, putting these fires out. And we and it took a long time, and mm-hmm. we were damn tired by the end. If you had one of those things, you could just plow right down, squirting it all the way down. Do, do it in a minute. And, and interesting, I'm not trying to go crazy plugging Lenko here, but I, I do think it's an innovative thought. Because um, this particular vehicle, you could plug it into the you know the fire hydrant system, you know the municipal fire um, water supply system. You could pump it into a, a, a engine truck and have that engine truck be 500 yards behind because it got 500 yards of ro- you know line between yeah. you and that that vehicle that will, te- will protect you from 50 caliber fire. So mm-hmm. I think it's it, to me that was one of those. It was a reminder of how important it is to kind of look at this thing more holistically and and think about it from a bigger you know how everybody can contribute and everybody can help keep you know their communities safe yeah great idea um tell us what you think give us an email here at uh, policing matters at police one.com that is policing matters at police one.com thank you again for listening